And uh, yeah, just on behalf of this um, institution, I'd also like to extend thanks for uh, the materials and support um, on your illustrious forebear. But um, if you don't mind, I'll just go, because I've got about a hundred questions to ask you. <laughs> um, yeah, so jumping to what you know about uh, John Simmons' origins, his background. Yes. Um, what Have you found, managed to find out anything new or anything more about the circumstances of his birth? Well, I know that he was born in Kingston, Jamaica, and um, I found a baptism for a little boy called John, uh, which was quite common, apparently, for the plantation births because they didn't have a surname and they took on the name of the, the owner. Yeah. Um, and um, this particular birth was on the 1st of November 1783, and he was baptised on the 1st of January 1784, just as John uh, yes. with his parents yeah so that's the first i know of him okay and um as far as the earlier years you know basically his um infants his um young adulthood basically before he enters the royal navy um are there any clues at all yes i think so um we were told through family stories and everything because his wife lived with my um, great grandmother and her siblings and they they were told lots and lots of stories yes. and they were told that he grew up on the Simmons plantation. Mm. And we do know that um, shortly after John joined the Navy in April 17, uh, sorry, 1803 yeah. in in Plymouth. Um, so he'd been he'd left Jamaica sometime obviously before that and he'd been in Liverpool we know he was in yes. Liverpool um, now the the owner of the plantation was a man called Robert Simmons mm. and he died in the October of that year and he'd been poorly for about five years he'd written his will five years before but what's particularly interesting is that he um, he lived with a black lady and um, he had three children who were called reputed children and in the registers they're called children of colour oh, yes the plantation to them so he left the slaves he had 14 mm. slaves he left them and he left all his lands to these three children of mixed race and he left yeah. the money everything uh, he left a small amount of money to his sister back in bristol and uh, but most of the the, ch the children inherited they they named the they named the black people who they owned as well yes um and i just wonder if john simmons was allowed to go at some point allowed to leave because some of the records say that he was press gang some that say that he yeah. was joined he joined that's um, right yeah so i don't know i mean the first i know officially is that um he came into the homos in plymouth yes. on the revolutionaire and yeah. that had been a fire ship in liverpool for about yes. three years yes. so he i don't know how long he'd been in liverpool but he he ended up in liverpool from jamaica anyway and um he got the revolutionaire and he joined the um receiving ship the salvador del mundo yeah and did the basic training uh, before he joined the conqueror uh, he was kitted out with dead men's clothes, we know that, and uh, he joined as a landsman. Yes. So that's that's sort of the earliest official records that we know definitively, and that he was 18. 
Oh, wow. It's a masterpiece of sleuthing. <laughs> a great piece of sleuthing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so do you know um, how he arrived in Liverpool? At no. All? Oh. No, I don't. Um, I don't know what ship it was on. I know there were three ships arrived. There, there were there were three sort of um, smaller ships that were going backwards and forward. One of them was the Hind. It was going mm. backwards and forwards to Jamaica. Whether he got that, because there's no passenger list on that one. Um, so I think that's going to be pure speculation, really, how he, how he arrived in Liverpool. Okay, so um, we're up to the point where he's on the Conqueror, what, 1803? Yeah. Um, and he's you know, he's a landsman, he's starting at the bottom of, the, of things. Uh, what happens to him from there? Because he's got another couple of years before Trafalgar. Um, they, they service, down, your, what sort of service? Um, well, they, they went down um, uh, per, um, uh, checking the, uh, the Mediterranean um, looking for French and Spanish ships and they were going up and down at sort of you know, trying to um, um, stop you know the ships um, forming the uh, joining the fleet and they were just generally moving soldiers about so they were, they were sort of moving soldiers and, and up and down the coast um, to sort of try and um, patrol the area and then um, so they were doing that pretty much for a couple of years in, in the Mediterranean, patrolling up and down the Mediterranean. And then they joined the other ships for the Battle of Trafalgar on the 21st of October, 1805. And that's when uh, he saw the action. Yes, he did. In fact, you know, <clears throat> up to including um, the surrender, uh, Villeneuve's surrender. Yes. Which uh, must have been extraordinary. It must have been incredible. I mean, especially as, as 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 a family, it's nice to be able to relate to him because we've got his portrait. Yeah. We have his service pistol, so he yeah. must have had that at Trafalgar, which is incredible. And then we've got the certificate for bounty money that he claimed, yes. which is extraordinary. How long did he have to wait for the bounty? Um, it's it's difficult to say. I think he, he claimed it uh, when mm. he was uh, back in, in in Greenwich when he had sort of temporarily left service when he was invalided out. So he was getting claiming the bounty money, um, you know, around that time. But um, yes, I mean it was it was it was not a lot. But um, they going back to Trafalgar when they they rode um, they rode Villeneuve on, onto mm. the Conqueror to sign the surrender. And um, I was told that he was in the boat, but I don't know. That's just, just family story. Mm. Got back to the to Conqueror, where he, he would probably, I would have thought, seen Villeneuve uh, sign the surrender. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been a moment. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, th there's a lot of things that, you know, the imagination just fleshes out when you hear his story. <laughs> and for me, one of the moments, well, a couple of moments, uh, if you'll bear with me. But the first is that um, he did, was it 1811 or 13, um, revisit the Caribbean, particularly Jamaica, at one stage in his service, didn't he? Yes, uh, that was that was later on. Um, I think um, after he'd, he'd, um, he'd be, he was on Conqueror until 1812, yes. uh, sort of going backwards and forwards on Conqueror. And then um, he joined 
the Barnum because oh, Connor was yes. going for a refit. And by that time, he was an able seaman because he'd done his yes. three years of service. So he joined the Barnum from 1812 to 1814. And um, he went to Indies. Yes. Which it must, must have been very strange. I think it must have been deeply strange because um, I keep trying to imagine how he'd readjust into that society, um, how he'd have been received, what life was like for black seamen in the Caribbean um, yeah. after all of his, what, nearly 10 years um, yeah. at sea. Really, really quite strange. And also, <clears throat> um, in his later ships, I think it's on the variable that, you know, he actually goes, rises through the ranks. Yeah. Quite yeah. considerably, you know. Yes, I mean, literally, just after 10 years of joining, he became yeah. yeoman of the sheet and then quartermaster. Quartermaster, yes. So, Which um, means he was literate. Absolutely. Well, you'd imagine he was literate, yes. yeah. And mm. he, must have, he was steering the, the ship, so he must have been able to follow mm. quite complicated charts. Yes. And um, so, I mean, he, he was educated in, in quite a lot of different ways. He must have been, you know. Interesting, yes. I mean, because one, one of the areas that I'm interested in is the um, use of uh, black pilot or black men as pilots yeah. on vessels coming into the Caribbean harbours or the um, North, the Eastern American seaboard. Uh, is there anything in your research that's led you to... Um, was led you to uh, believe that John might have had a similar education or experience as a younger person, as a pilot or? No, I mean, education-wise, the mm. the going back to where he lived with on we we presume on the Robert Simmons plantation, yeah. the three children that inherited the plantation were exactly the same age as John, mm. and. Mm. It made me think, I wonder if he was taught to read and write with them or if he was friendly with them. I mean, perhaps it's pure speculation, but perhaps his, you know, his mother was um, a, a black lady on the plantation. And then perhaps that, uh, you know, Robert grew up with these three children. Yes. Uh, John grew up with the three of Robert's children, but, you know. So um, it's difficult, but it's pure speculation. But the, the records for the Simmons plantation aren't very good. But his Robert's will is is really good. It's full of lots of information. Hmm. And yeah. Um, yeah. So jumping back to this side of the water, um, what were the what uh, were the reasons which brought him, or the conditions which brought him um, in his first stay here in Greenwich at the hospital? Uh, well, he was he was on duty in the harbour in Kingston, Jamaica, in Port, Port Royal, in, in the harbour there, and he got yellow fever. And a lot of people that were on, on the um, ship with him, on variable, a lot of his fellow um, sailors all got yellow fever, and they were transferred to the hospital ship Shark yeah. and then, um, taken back to Greenwich, um, where they became pensioners. And he was there for about 10 years. Yes. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. It's, yes. And this is the, the next sort of stage in his adventure really fascinates me because he does return uh, to sea. Yes. And he takes this, what must have been an incredible uh, drop in pay and status. I mean, I'm imagining, because there he was as a quartermaster. Yes. And he 
is back in the service as an able seaman. Mm. Uh, much older, but is there any sort of, can you fill us in on what might have prompted that? No, other than, I mean, he probably was feeling better and he but he probably didn't feel he wanted to take the responsibility he probably didn't have the opportunity to take the responsibility he probably just wanted to get back to sea and um that that's all we know really um that he went back for two years he couldn't have been terribly well because he only managed to stay in the navy for two years and then he was invalided out again so he must have had a sort of a I don't know whether it, I mean, it could have been malaria. It, it, it was diagnosed as yellow fever, but I mean, I, I believe people get recurrent episodes of it. So that it might have been, sense. yeah, it might have been a lifelong illness. Yes, that makes sense. Um, which nonetheless didn't stop him from having a married life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And several children. <laughs> yeah. Well, can you tell us what you know about um, his wife, Anne? We were told within the family that she was a Huguenot mm. of, or of Huguenot descent. Yeah. I've never been able to prove that. We knew that um, she she was supposedly um, brought up in St. James Clerkenwell, but th she's not mentioned on the baptism registers. But what is interesting is that um, in 1851, in the census, when they by which time they come to Mansfield, so their oldest child was born in 1831 but she wasn't baptized until until 1835 in mansfield when she was mm. four and what is interesting by the 1851 census they were living in a small very poor area of mansfield and they were with four other people from st james clerkenwell one Greenwich pensioner and there are no other Greenwich pensioners in within a huge area and um, they were also with another four or five people that were making and selling tinwares. Now I know Clerkenwell had some tinware and metalware work areas and yeah. in in about the end of 1829-1830 a big metalwork factory opened in Mansfield and Presumably, they got wind of this and they decided a group of them from St. James Clerkenwell would move up to Mansfield. And they were all living in, in this close, in this very small area. And wow. this group of people that were all, all friends and, um, in, and, and colleagues, really. And they that were such So strange. Yes. So yeah. strange. No, because I mean, I'd always um, taken it that um, it had been sort of other trades, you know, to do with um, uh, fabric uh, development that might have led. Because for me, it was always a big mystery. Why Mansfield? Yes. Uh, of all places. Absolutely. Well, th that was that was really what what flummoxed me and and but in the census when you see all this in the in the area where they lived mm. um, you you see you see all these people that are are timwell timware manufacturers and hawkers okay. so they yeah. went door to door selling timware which um, of course is how um well john would have been best known in that area as yeah. a hawker of timware yeah 
Yes, on Chandler's Court it is. And I mean, it was demolished in the slums in the 30s. It was it was sort of um, like sort of tenement houses. It was quite a poor area. And um, but, you know, there were there were several there was what, four or five families living there. Some of them were in lodging houses, but John Simmons and his family were in their own house, presumably rented. Um, but um, several of their neighbours were all people from St James Clerkenwell. But funnily enough, none of them were in the registers, um, oh. either for weddings or baptisms. So mm. whether um, they were all, I mean, if she was a Huguenot, you know, she might have been in, um, they're certainly not in the Huguenot church registers. Mm. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, she might yeah. not have been baptised. Yes. I mean, I'm speaking about registers. I just find it's the strangest thing, which actually you flagged up to me, is that um, wasn't it on possibly his um, burial register that he's described as a Chelsea pensioner? Yes. I mean, what ultimate insult. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But yes. it's a fantastic legacy, Ruth, and thank you so much for sharing it with us and by extension to uh, the country in general. And... Um, I'm very proud of you. Look forward to be speak speaking with you again soon. Okay. All right. Take care.